If you're there already, you have your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter what? 12, yes. Romans 12, the 12th month of the year. Amazing, huh? What verse do you think we're going to start in? Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> right? You already got there for it. Ernie has memorized the first verse, the first word, the first word of Romans 12.1. What is it, Ernie? Therefore. All right. All right. All right. Romans 12.1 and 2. We have been in a series on transformation throughout the entire year and in God's timing and his providence, man, it's amazing how Advent and the theme of Advent has really um, been a special time our last few weeks to really look at transformation from the heart, from the inside out, right? So let's, let's uh, read Romans 12, 1 and 2 together, then we'll pray, and we'll jump right into, into it. Ready? Begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you have done this year and this local body of believers and us individually. Thank you for the transformation that we have celebrated, Lord, in so many different ways. And thank you for your word. And once again, as we look at your scriptures, Lord, we ask you through your Holy Spirit to to not just help us to understand it, but then to bring very specific application and in the applying of your word and the obedience. Uh, that transformation would continue from the inside out. So we love you, Lord. We love your word. And ask you now to uh, speak to us corporately and individually that uh, we would continue to be more and more transformed into the image of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, transformation, right? The word metamorphosis, is that what it means? And it's a word picture. If you remember, Jesus was transfigured on top of the mountain. And when he was transfigured... He basically showed his, his boys that were with him. He said, hey, guys, check this out. Ah! Right? And he was transfigured. And what that means is he, he showed them who he really was on the inside. For just a moment, he said, hey, let me show you something. Boom. This is me. Right? He was transfigured. And this transformation, this metamorphosis that we've been looking at this whole calendar year has really been about being changed, transformed from what? The inside out, right? And uh, we started the year with this wonderful visual, right? That, uh, you know, the caterpillar goes through transformation or metamorphosis and becomes what? A butterfly, right? And so as believers, we've understood that you put your faith in Jesus, you begin this walk as a new creation, walking in newness of life. You're not called just to be what? The best caterpillar you can be. We're not called to be the best caterpillars we can be. We're called to be in transformation, in metamorphosis. Literal change. 
supernatural change, biblically, from the inside out. And the ultimate goal is to be more and more like who? Jesus. And how long will it take? A lifetime. So turn to the person next to you and say, he's not done with me yet. Go ahead. Just, just, he's not done with me yet. Right? He's not done with me yet. So, and say, so just say, be patient. Be patient. Right? It's, it's this church word called sanctification, but we've looked at it as transformation from the inside out. And we understand that, that it's a work of God, but we also have our responsibility in obedience and faith and walking in the Spirit. And as we do that, we are transformed from the inside out over a lengthy period of time, our time on this planet, to be more and more like Jesus, right? Who we are on the inside, who we are in Christ, that identity, that new identity in Christ, more and more just coming out, just being transformed, okay? How many of you here can actually, right now, in a good way, say, you know what? I don't do what I used to do. Anyone? In a good way. You know, God, how many of you... I have some new habits, right? I, my thought patterns are different, right? That's all transformation, and sometimes we have to celebrate that. Because sometimes we can be our own worst critics. And we're like always the less than, or the, the but what about. And sometimes, you know what? I give you permission. Celebrate transformation. Sometimes you need to put a smile on your face and say, Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Right? Because how many of you, if you were honest, if you didn't know the Lord right now, you might be home watching football or golfing? Yeah, Dale, right? Right, right, right. Think about how wonderfully supernatural, crazy in the best way it is that you want to be at church. That's transformation. That's transformation. How many of you want to read your, script, your Bibles? Not perfectly, but you enjoy reading Scripture. How many of you enjoy praying? How many of you enjoy singing songs to God and about God? Okay. That's all transformation. That's all the supernatural work because I can think of a time in my life and maybe you can think of a time in your life where reading the Bible, praying, and singing songs weren't high on the list. Because it was about three people. Me, myself, and I. And suddenly I'm here and I'm singing about God, reading about God, praying to God. And there's people that I care about in here. Isn't that crazy? So, so as we end the year, I encourage you, maybe in the next week or so before the new year starts, if you're into that year-end review, maybe spend time and journal how God has transformed you this year. Give it, give it a, a, a praise list. And if you're not sure, ask your neighbor. Hey, what have you seen God doing me different this year? Am I different? Wouldn't that be cool? Celebrate transformation, okay? It's not a pride thing. It's a glory to God thing. Okay, don't be, don't be afraid of it. And so we've been talking about transformation. And, and this past month as we've gone through the Advent candle, right? Love and hope and peace and faith, joy. It has become really evident that these themes through the scriptures that we've seen each week, are really practical. Really practical to transformation. If you had a chance, oh, and by the way, thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone who came out to Continuing Care uh, for our caroling last Sunday, bless the staff. And, and, and just so you know, uh, Wendy, who works there, shared with me 
Uh, it was an extra blessing this year when we came in and we're all crazy and loud and with the food. Uh, they are extremely understaffed. And the staff that was there, has been, they've been working around the clock for weeks, uh, various circumstances. So when we came in with food and drinks and caroling and just joy, you ministered probably as much, if not more, to the staff this year um, than the residents. So, so I want to thank you for that. And, and if you were there, I shared um, a little devotional about God's peace. And one of the things I had the, the residents and all of you repeat was that God's peace is, someone remember? Practical. It's practical. Right? Sometimes we hear, oh, love and hope and peace and then joy. And we kind of hear it. We kind of acknowledge it. And then we may wonder, well, is that really practical? Is that really just, is that, is that really practical when I leave here and, and I go to shop or I go to work tomorrow? Is this love, hope, peace, joy? Is that really practical? Is it? Is it practical? Because if you don't see it as practical, you may kind of tuck it away when, when we're done and then go about your business and wonder why transformation isn't really happening. It's extremely practical. In fact, it's as practical. I, I showed you this the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, I shared this with you. My mom, who's here, by the way, my mom and my niece and my brother came up. They came for the musical, not for me. But um, anyway, <laughs> and mostly for Shiloh, not even for me and the music. Um, but Thanksgiving, we were leaving uh, down in San Diego, and we have this coat closet by our front door. And once in a while, Mom will open it up and, and want to pass along my dad's jacket. And so Vinny got a jacket, and she gave me this jacket. And um, I shared with you that, that this jacket, right, it's not just special to me because it was my dad in, in a nostalgic type of sense, right? But this jacket actually is what? Practical, right? It's very practical, right? It, you know, I shared very lovingly that some of the jackets Mama's given me from the 70s, more nostalgic than practical, you know what I mean? Like, that's pretty cool. Can't wear that, though. <laughs> this one's super practical, right? I've worn it to here. I get here sometimes 5, 5.30 on Sunday, so I wear this, and, you know, it's practical. Real practical, right? And, and my encouragement to us this morning as we look at joy, the, the last theme, that joy is practical. Joy is practical, right? It's not one of those sort of, like, cliche, Christmassy, oh, yeah, joy to the world, Right? but we're real serious, right? Isn't it interesting? We sing about joy, right? Good tidings of great, you know, good news, great joy, but we're real serious. Are you joyful? You've got to be joyful. God commands you to be joyful, right? We're going to look at joy today, and, and Bill, you just came back from Haiti. Bill was gone this week on a mission trip in Haiti, and he had an experience of joy. You wanna, you wanna, Bill, you want to share a little bit? what you experienced about joy in Haiti?
joy. What, what is it? And is it practical, right? Last week we looked at peace and we saw that biblical peace is not just the absence of strife and conflict and hostility. A lot of us define peace as the absence of. Last week we saw that biblical peace was really the presence of Jesus. Amen? And that's really practical. The presence. In, in Isaiah 26.3, last week we ended with Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. This week, I, I, that was my birth. Lord, how often my mind is not stayed on you. Is not stayed on you. And, and, and sometimes I wear a watch that has, still has that hourly chime. And when that chime goes off, it's a reminder. Are, where's your mind? I, I, I use that hourly chime. It goes off, ding, I'm like, okay, Lord, I just commit this next hour to you. It keeps my mind stayed on Him. It's a, it's a real practical thing. But last week we saw that peace, biblical peace, understanding what it is, is practical. It's practical if we'll just focus on His presence. It's, not, it's focusing on our identity, not isolating ourselves. Right? And so today we're going to look at joy. And turn to Luke. Right? We'll start there. Very familiar passage where... Jesus' birth is announced, right? Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, starting in verse 8. Now, just, just so you know, because of the time constraint and everything, we're going we're to talk about joy kind of in a broad sense today. And, and I just shared with Bill, I think the Lord is really kind of directing us as we start the new year. We're going to circle back to joy because I think in the new year what we're going to do is look at the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to go through a series on the, the fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to be real practical as we launch into 2017. So today, let's look at joy kind of in a broad sense in uh, Luke 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you what? Good news of what? Great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of what? Great joy. Great joy. Right? There had been 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. Right? From the Malachi to Matthew. 400 years. People are wondering. They're waiting. They're, okay, we read the prophecies. We're waiting. We're waiting. And so suddenly, boom! Something supernatural happens and it is announced that it is good news of great joy. Great joy. When was the last time... Christmas, the birth of Christ, the significance of it spiritually evoked great joy in you. 
that's it, it's great joy because out of the joy of salvation comes the joy every day. It's rooted in that. It's rooted in that, right? In your notes, I just put some, some notes to help you, right? Joy, the Greek word kara. It's a feeling of inner gladness, delight, rejoicing, cheerfulness. Well-being that is based on spiritual reality. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit and is not based on circumstances. Whoa. Right? We're going to be looking at the difference between biblical joy and what the world calls happiness. It's interesting. Joy is actually a command. Philippians 4.4 Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. What? Rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says what? Rejoice always. What? In fact, for you uh, Bible knowledge, Seth, I don't like to use the word trivia, but for you Bible knowledge, rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 is actually the shortest verse in the Bible. You're like, wait, I thought Jesus wept. In the Greek. In the Greek, Jesus wept. They put a little article like the word the. They, so in the Greek, it has three words. Jesus wept is three words. First Thessalonians 5.16 in the Greek is only two words. Ah, see? Merry Christmas. See, that's a gift for you. So First Thessalonians 5.16, check it out. The shortest verse in the Bible is a command to what? Rejoice! So if you're honest, how's your joy level been? Honestly, how's your joy been this week? Right? Look at the definition. Right? Inner gladness, delight, rejoicing, cheerfulness, well-being that is based on spiritual reality. How has your joy, joy meter been? Not that we don't have tough times. This is not about burying your head in the sand and, and living in denial. That is not biblical joy. But it is a consistency. It is a deep joy that is not based on circumstance. Amen? So how's that been? Scale of 1 to 10. You don't, don't, just, just think. Scale of 1 to 10. How's your joy meter been lately? Biblical joy. Right? So it's a command. It's a command. There are examples of people in the Bible. Right? Mary. Mary rejoiced, right? Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary rejoiced, right? You know what's crazy? When Mary went to visit Elizabeth, who rejoiced? John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb. John the Baptist jumped for joy. He was joyful. Mary was joyful, right? Acts 13.52, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. People are joyful in the Bible. If it's a command, and if people are joyful in the Bible, why aren't we? Where did we in the church kind of pick up this idea that it's all about being serious? Are you serious, Wes? Are you serious about Jesus? Are you? Are you? God, you're serious, man. You reading your scripture? You praying every day? Yeah? You serious? Are you serious? Just serious. Following Jesus. Serious. We're a serious church. We're going to the well and we're going to be serious. The well. And you invite all your friends because we're serious there. 
Where did that come from? There's a balance. There's a balance, okay? And I'm kind of like being, being kind of funny because check yourself. When was the last time you just enjoyed Jesus? <sighs> yeah. When was the last time you gave permission to yourself to be happy? Happy. Oh, wait. God doesn't want me to be happy. He wants me to be holy. Some people go there. Now, he doesn't want you to be happy in the sense of seeking it in the world definition. Okay? He does want you to be holy, but this is very important. Holiness and happiness are not mutually exclusive. In fact, holiness leads to happiness. Amen? Holiness and happiness in the Bible are very synonymous. And yet the church has separated them and made holiness very somber, very serious. I am holy. I cannot smile. Would you like to come to my church? I mean, right? Come to my church Sunday. We're serious, man. So serious. I mean, right? We scare people. People are not like scared of us. Holiness is very synonymous with happiness. Joy. Now, where did we pick this up? Where did we pick this up? Kinda, okay. Isaiah 53, man of sorrows, right? Go ahead, should I put that up? This is kind of many of the pictures many of us grew up with, right? Look it. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus was fully human. So he, he understands our deepest sorrows, our deepest griefs, our deepest rage and anger. He gets that. But many of us, that's the picture we think of Jesus. Very pensive, very somber. This one scares me. Because it's like, he's looking like right at you saying, what did you just do? Right? Doesn't he have that look like accusing you? Like, what did you just say? Right? So we get these real, these pictures of Jesus that affect us. They do affect us. Right? It, what is your picture of Jesus in relation to joy? And sometimes I think the disconnect with us experiencing biblical joy is the picture of Jesus in our head isn't real joyful. He's scary. And he's mad. And he's angry. And so just don't mess up. Right? As opposed to this. Jesus. John 15, 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus says, whose joy does he want in us? His joy. Some of you are like, Jesus smiled? Jesus laughed? Jesus danced? He was at a wedding. See, some of you are smiling. That picture came up and some of you just smiled like you didn't even know. You're still smiling. You don't even know. How many of you like that joyful Jesus? You see? 
We have to, we have to check ourselves in transformation and especially with joy. Look at this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Jesus wants us to experience His joy, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Amen? That's a pretty joyful Jesus. And that's a joyful Jesus who understands our deepest sorrows at the same time. Who understands our deepest pains, our deepest confusions, and yet He's still joyful, and yet we can be. Right? What does James say? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Biblical joy is rooted in a relationship with Jesus. The question is what Jesus is in your head. Because Jesus was joyful. I have told you this so that my joy. Jesus was joyful. Psalm 16:11. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Right? The, the English Standard Version says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Ah. So, so biblical joy is not rooted in circumstance. It is rooted in our relationship with Jesus. And that never changes. Because of who we are in Christ. You go back to your position, your identity, right? And, and it's really interesting. The difference between, you know, the title of the message is Biblical Joy, Chance or Choice, right? Because we're talking about Biblical Joy versus happiness. Happiness. Now, we've already said they're synonymous biblically, right? They're not exclusive. But Biblical Joy versus the world's version of happiness. And it's really interesting because I, well, I did some research and I did the origin of the word happiness. Happiness in the 14th century comes from a Middle English word called hap. You know what hap means? Chance or luck. So happiness is rooted originally in the 14th century with happenstance, good fortune, luck, chance. See? You're happy, I guess, if you're lucky. If the, and it was seen by the gods. If the gods are smiling on you. So happiness in the world's eyes initially was just luck, just chance, happenstance, something that happened to you, out of your control. You're lucky. And I'm unlucky. Right? Still carry over to today. How many of you still base your happiness on luck or chance? The, the cards you were dealt, your past, Right? Are you still, what's the basis of your joy? Is it joy or is it the world's happiness? It, it, mm. And then what happened in the 17th and 18th centuries, the definition kind of morphed, and check it out. It went from chance or luck to now happiness was a right. Inalienable right. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. So now happiness is no longer just chance or luck and out of my control. Now chance is my right. Something to be strived after. Something to be acquired. Still really all about me and acquiring my happiness. That's the world view of happiness. That's where it comes. That's the front of the history of it. Either chance or luck, randomness, or it's all about me and my pursuit of it. It's my right. 
contrasted with biblical joy. So in, in our walk with the Lord, if it's rooted in our relationship with Jesus, there's freedom. We can celebrate together. We can be very happy together. And then you know what? We can cry together. We can grieve. We can, we can go to memorials together. And in the midst of that sorrow and grief, we can still have joy. There's still a deep joy of who we are in Christ, of our eternal host in heaven. There's still a joy. There's still a joy in us. Right? So the question is this. How's your joy? Are you more focused on biblical joy rooted in your relationship with Christ and who you are as a new creation? Or are you still striving after your right of happiness? Or, oh man, you're lucky. You're lucky. You're unlucky. You know, I mean, right? I mean, is it just, is, that, is, is your happiness something you're just, pursuing with all your effort? Or is your happiness random chance? I don't know. Well, oh well, woe is me. I'm just unlucky. Or, oh wait a sec. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation in Christ. Jesus wants His joy in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. If I yield and submit, the Bible says I will bear the fruit of joy. It's not chance, it's a choice. It's a choice you and I can make right now. Right now, wherever you were on that scale of 1 to 10 in, in the joy scale, you can, you can make progress. It's just a choice to refocus on the source. Just refocus the source, right? Turn to Galatians 4. In the Galatians 4. I love this verse. Galatians 4. It says this. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Verse 4 again. But when the time had fully come, another version says, in the fullness of time. When the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. You know why I love that verse so much? Because it tells me it wasn't just luck. Christmas didn't just come by, by luck or chance, Jesus being sent. It's not just lucky. It's not just by chance that Jesus was sent. When it says the fullness of time, or when the time had fully come, you know what that means? It is at God's specific appointed time in His plan of salvation, it was time. There was no randomness to it. There was no chance to Jesus coming. There was no luck. No. When the time had fully come. When the time had fully come, Jesus was sent by God. has nothing to do with randomness. has nothing to do with change. Nothing. Think about that. All that was happening on the planet, 
Rome had, had spread their empire, so they had built roads connecting cities. The Greeks had, had spread a language, a very common language. So there was a common language in the Roman Empire. The Jews were now looking for the Messiah in a very real way. Right? Here's a crazy thing. You know that census that sent Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Did you know that they actually took that every 14 years for tax purposes and for compulsory, compulsory military service? So think about all these things happening on the planet. The Roman Empire, the Greek language, the Jews looking for Messiah, a census that happens every 14 years. And suddenly God's like, it's time. It's time. Jesus, go. Why is that reassuring? Because as a believer, there's nothing random in your life or my life. Amen? There's nothing random. There's no chance. There's no luck. And that is where we get joy. Because Romans 8.28 says what? All things work for the good. No matter what God allows. It's not random. It's not lucky or unlucky. God works all things. For the good. It may not be good, may be painful, may be a bit of a trial, but in the end, He will work it for our good to fulfill His plan. Amen? The basis of our joy is rooted in our relationship with Jesus, and Jesus being sent to earth was not random or chance or luck, it was the fullness of time. And your relationship and you even being here this morning is not chance not lucky that you're here. God's in control. He has a plan. He has a plan. And we don't always understand it. And we don't always get it. And sometimes we're like, Lord, could you give me a little hint? Wink, wink. Where are you going with this? And that's where faith comes in. Faith in Him. Faith in His plan. But our joy is rooted in the fact that we are in Christ. And not chance and it's not luck. Amen? Isn't that so good? The craziness of our culture, the craziness of the world, the craziness of our country, that looks like a whole lot of random craziness, right? What does the world need to see? The world needs to see believers in Jesus who have peace, who have joy, who have confidence and hope. That'll spur some conversation. That makes you sick. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you where my joy comes from. Right? Right? Romans 5.11 We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Our rejoicing is based on our reconciliation with God. Amen? The basis of your joy, the basis of my joy, ultimately, first and foremost, is we are reconciled. We have peace with God. Amen? And that peace with God goes all the way back to Christmas when God sent Jesus in the fullness of time. It wasn't random. God had the exact time. It wasn't an accident. It was an appointment. Right? I've had some of my kids come through uh, Nordoff, and a few times I've been there on the last day of school 
waiting outside to pick them up. And it's amazing. The last day of school at Nordos, when the bell rings at the end of sixth period, there is a shout that goes up. I was surprised the first time. You know, I'm waiting, just waiting by the, on the curb outside, and all of a sudden, whoo! And they just come flooding out the end of the last day of school. You know what? That's the fullness of time. They're all in there. Da, 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 da. Hit, bell sounds, joy! Right? Celebrate your relationship with Jesus. The basis of your joy and my joy is who we are in Him. It's who we are in Him. He sent Jesus in the fullness of time. And He has a plan for you and for me. And sometimes we don't understand it. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't understand stuff that happens. And sometimes I go, you still up there? You still in charge? You still got the you still got the helm? You, you still you still you're still in charge, right? Because the world can get crazy, and things can happen, and and our joy can quickly disappear if we lose focus. If we lose focus. So this morning, listen to Come back. Come back, right? I close with this from a guy named John Piper. He says this. It is good news that God is gloriously happy. No one would want to spend eternity with an unhappy God. If God is unhappy, then the goal of the gospel is not a happy goal. And that means it would be no gospel at all. But in fact, Jesus invites us to spend eternity with a happy God. When he says, enter into the joy of your master. Jesus lived and died that his joy, God's joy, might be in us and our joy might be full. Therefore, the gospel is the gospel of the glory of the happy God. The happy God. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for reminding us through the announcement of Jesus' birth that it's Good news of great joy. Thank you for reminding us through your word this morning that our happiness is not based on circumstances, it's not based on luck, it's not based on chance, but our true biblical joy and happiness is rooted in a relationship with Jesus and who we are in your eyes and who you are, the blessed, the happy God. Lord, thank you that you do desire our joy, our happiness in Christ. And we know that ultimately that comes by walking in faith and obedience. Trust me. So on this Sunday, Sunday before Christmas, we take this time of communion, of reflection, of the joy of the Lord being our strength. We'll hold the cups. We'll, we'll distribute the cups and hold them and, and encourage you in this time of communion just to rejoice in who you are in Christ. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Maybe you just need to reflect on the happy Jesus picture that was on the screen. The joyful Jesus. 
Because that Jesus wants you to have His joy. And if you're here this morning and maybe you realize your happiness has been focused more on the the world's definition. And it's not rooted in Jesus. This morning, just put your faith in Jesus. Say, Lord, this morning I understand more clearly that biblical joy is rooted in a relationship with you, Jesus, and I want a relationship with you, Jesus. So in the best way I know how I'm going to trust you this day as my Savior and Lord. I believe you paid the penalty. I believe that's what Christmas was all about, with God's plan of salvation in the fullness of time to send Jesus as the Savior of the world. And so, Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you that I can experience your joy as well. So we'll distribute the cups. There'll be two cups coming out, and then you can hold them, and and we'll take communion together when everyone's been served. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking joy to us through your word. And Jesus, we're reminded of the incredible joy we have because of what you did at Calvary on the cross in these cups. Just very tangible reminders, symbols of your broken body and your shed blood. So we take this communion in remembrance of you, Jesus, as an affirmation of our faith in you as our Savior and Lord. And then today we take it, Lord, as a reminder that our joy, true biblical joy, is rooted in a relationship with you. So we love you. Take this communion in remembrance of Amen. So, is joy practical? Is joy practical? Right? It's as practical as this jacket, right? Joy is practical. Okay? We don't just celebrate a historical event way back in history. Take the joy that was announced by the angel and bring it to when? Now. 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 When you leave here, when we say ready, break, and the huddle breaks, bring the joy with you. Amen? Amen. Joy is practical because it's rooted in a relationship with Christ. And he says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us always, even to the end of the age. So let's stand up. We're going to sing a great song called Trees of the Field. It is a celebration of joy rooted in salvation.